WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. And the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. What is going on, Colts Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Bring the Juice. Your guy Cody here joining us, friend of the show, Mr. Andrew Thomason. Andrew, it has been forever, my friend, since you and I have done an episode. How are you doing? All is well here, Cody. Um, I'm uh, just kind of, I'm sure like a lot of other people, snowed in at the moment. So what better time to, to knock out a video and talk some some uh, NFL football than, than right now? Absolutely, man. And, you know, we, all, we both watched the Colts this 2021 season. We watched the highs. We watched the lows. We watched the really good moments and the really bad moments. So I thought it would be you know, good to talk about basically looking at this team from their strengths and their weaknesses. So how we're going to do it, we're going to look at three of each, right? So we'll start with the weaknesses. We'll talk about the three weaknesses. Then we'll move on to the three strengths. We'll kind of talk in depth. We'll, we'll obviously play off each other a little bit there. And we'll go from there. And if there's other conversations that spur from that, I'm good with that. Uh, but we'll start here, Andrew, with some of the weaknesses. In your mind, what's one weakness that kind of stands out to you right now? I'm going to go with edge rush and more specifically veteran edge rush. I mean, let's just be honest. I think there are a lot of Colts fans out there that kind of were surprised that Danico Autry was, I don't want to say let go, but he walked in free agency, went to Tennessee and I think he had nine and a half sacks. I mean, he was sensational for the Titans this past year. And the Colts, I think, certainly missed that presence at defensive end. I mean, you draft a guy like Quiddy Pay with your first-round pick and asking him to come in and, and contribute right away or contribute to the in terms of production that we saw from Autry over his first couple of seasons, I think that's a little unrealistic on the Colts' part. Uh, and it certainly put a lot of pressure on Pay to, to come in and, and, again, contribute right away. Uh, and play up to a certain standard, if you will. Uh, and then on the other side, Aquadim Muhammad, uh, who had a career high, I think it was six and a half sacks. And then, I mean, that's just, its it wasn't enough. I mean, they were bottom of the league. I don't remember the percentages exactly. In pass rush rate, in sacks, in uh, quarterback hits. I mean, and... I mean, for a guy in Chris Ballard, a general manager in Chris Ballard, who's preached being able to be dominant up front, that's how you win football games, um, they weren't that often enough. Now, Buckner and Grover Stewart had really nice years again, uh, which was, I think, to be expected. But you can't rely heavily on your first overall or your first round pick, pardon me, and then Buckner and Stewart and then Muhammad, who's more of a rotational player, to create a consistent of enough pass rush to help you win games. I mean, for example, let's talk about the Baltimore game just briefly. I mean, they had the 14-point-plus lead at one point midway into the third quarter, and what happened? Yes, their secondary was depleted with injury. We we understand that. But the, the bigger issue was the fact that they could not get to Lamar Jackson. He had all day to throw. And in today's NFL, 
that's so pass heavy and so reliant, heavily reliant on being able to get home, especially in Matt Eberflus's scheme. I mean, he's now with Chicago, but we know too well he played a lot of different zone, uh, you know, Tampa two, if you will. And that is, you have to, you have to get home with four. If you don't get home with four, there's going to be soft spots in the zone. And most quarterbacks are going to pick you apart, which is what happened with the Colts. So uh, not to go on and on, but veteran edge rush, I think is certainly uh, a weakness. They've got some nice core pieces, you know, Kamoka Ture and Taekwon Lewis are in contract year. So we'll see what they do uh, in regards to those players. Um, but they've got, some decisions to make on that end, and I think part of that decision needs to be potentially bringing in a veteran presence at Edge Rush. Yeah, and I think, yeah, you mentioned Taekwon Lewis. I think losing him was a big thing, you know, a big loss for this Colts defensive line. I mean, saying that, he's still not, you know, necessarily filling in the role or getting nine sacks like Danico Autry was, right? So I've said this before, Andrew, and I'll say it again. The Colts are going to continue to blow those leads defensively if they can't get to the quarterback consistently. That's just how it's going to go, you know, because quarterbacks in today's NFL, they're too good to be able to just, you know, rush for and not get home. You know, like you have to disrupt their timing. You can't expect, you know, them to just be able to miss guys. They don't do that. They're pros for a reason. So if you don't get consistent pressure on them, I mean, it's interesting because you look at the games you did get consistent pressure, like the Buffalo game. Josh Allen was off his game all, all game because you were able to get consistent pressure on him. And, you know, the game where you shut out Houston, you were able to get consistent pressure on the quarterback, whoever that was. Uh, so we've seen flashes of it, but you're right. You know, we have not seen the consistent guy. If you're leading sacker on your defensive end to six and a half sacks, you know you got to work on some things, you know. Now, I do feel like Quiddy Pay still could be a really good player. You know, it was his rookie year. I think it was, like you said, a little bit unfair to expect him to come in and get double-digit sacks or pick up the slack for what Autry lost, but... Yeah, there are a couple names, Andrew, that are really interesting to me on this free agent market for defensive end. I think you've got to go that route as opposed to a draft pick. Um, guys like Chandler Jones, right? Guys like Hassan Reddick are a couple names that I know really come to mind for me. But yeah, I think it's so, so pivotal that you stop kind of trying to figure out this position and hoping and waiting on some of these guys to develop into your stud pass rushers. I think it's time to just go get a guy. You know, I think it's time to stop you know, you've you've gone the draft route multiple times, and it's kind of blown up in your face in certain ways. So I think it's time to just go get a guy. Absolutely, it is. And Zach Kiefer and Stephen Holder, two two of the Colts beat reporters who we're both uh, very good friends with and familiar with, they said that on their uh, previous podcast or latest podcast that the loss to Jacksonville maybe it was something that the Colts needed, and I couldn't agree more, Cody. I think that as as sour of, of a taste that that loss left in Colts fans' mouths, if you will, I think it's an eye opener. And we're talking about pass rush, and as you mentioned, blowing leads, leads where you have double and triple. You know, you're in double, triple digits, and, and I mean that should not in any way, shape, or form be happening um, at any level, much less, you know, the NFL level. And so I am also intrigued by many of the names who who are tentatively going to be available in free agency. Obviously, we're about a month away, and franchise tags and new deals can be made with their current teams and that sort of thing. So we'll have to see who actually ends up becoming available. But, I mean, Chandler Jones, as you said, is a name that certainly uh, comes to mind. Uh, it's It's – it's something that can't be stressed enough 
I, I think, and we, we've touched on it so much already, but it's so, it's that, it's that important. It really is. It's, it's one of those things that, that you have to, you, you have to have regardless of what your scheme is, but certainly again, bringing up Matt Eberflips earlier, if you're going to run a very zone heavy scheme, you have to be able to have the front four to show for it. Uh, and, it, and I've said this before on the, on the podcast as well, your front four and your secondary go hand in hand, period. If your front four can get home on a consistent basis, your back end doesn't have to cover as long. And if your back end has to cover uh, longer because your front four can't get home, you're going to give up more completions. You're going to give up more chunk plays. You're going to give up uh, a better, more passer, uh, a higher passer rating. Pardon me. I mean, all of those things just come together and, and it all can really be resolved. Like you said, by going out and just spending a little bit more money, we know Ballard's been maybe a little bit frugal. He's dipped his, his, toes in the free agency water as awful of an analogy as that was um you know but he's he's waited till the second and third waves and that's i mean sure he's picked up guys like Nico autry and, uh, and i mean some other guys that maybe aren't on defense other parts of the team that have come in and, and contributed but look at trey Higs- hendrickson for the Bengals, uh cody i mean what 14 and a half sacks and they're in the super bowl not because of hendrickson but the argument, you, you can't tell me that he wasn't a huge part or played a pivotal role in allowing Cincinnati to change that, change the momentum in the, in the AFC Championship game. They were down 18 points. And, and I mean, Hendrickson and, and Hubbard and uh, uh, DJ Reader, and, and I mean, all these guys that they, DJ Reader was a, a free agent that they signed from Houston at one point. I mean, those, they were willing to spend. And and Mike Hilton, they picked up from Pittsburgh in the secondary. Chidobia Wuzier, they picked up from Dallas in free agency. And, I mean, that is so, so, so crucial, is to be able to adapt and change your ways as the years go on. Chris Ballard, as great of a drafter as he's been in a lot of areas, I mean, what, three all-pros? I mean, just a, he's been excellent, excellent, excellent. But being so tight and frugal in free agency – has come back to haunt this team in a multitude of ways. And speaking specifically to the pass rush, that's where we saw it take effect uh, for a good chunk of the season. Are you finally ready to win money and boost your odds? WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. The excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. Get exclusive rewards right at your fingertips. Get in on the action with your favorite teams and players from the NFL, MLB, NHL, Gold, MMA, WNBA, college football, and more. Right now at WinBet, you can find great promos, odds, and payouts from boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport. WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now. Or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Offer subject to change. Tough terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where play through winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1 800 522 4700. Yeah, for sure. It was like you're trading production for potential almost in certain ways. When you got rid of Autry, you elected to go young at the pass rush department. Not necessarily a bad thing, but I was kind of always like, why can't you do both? Why can't you bring back Autry and still go address pass rush? Because he's not going to, let's face it, Andrew, he's not going to be your long, long-term solution at that position. So, yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with you there. Um, now let's move on to another weakness. And this is one that 
is, you know, I think for me, one of the most obvious ones, and that is just, you know, receiving weapons for the quarterback, whoever that quarterback is, whether it's at tight end, whether it's a wide receiver. I think both of these positions need a serious upgrade. They need some more guys um, because you kind of look at the Colts versus some of these other contenders in the AFC specifically, and it's really not a competition when it comes to skill positions. The Colts had Michael Pittman Jr., and that was about it in terms of guys that were, you know, argued to be really, really good players at their position. So for me, Andrew, I feel like the Colts need to, whether it's Carson Wentz, whether it's another quarterback, you know, regardless of who it is in your future, I think the Colts need to seriously look at upgrading at those skilled positions, the wide receiver and the tight end position. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, I 100% agree, Cody. I mean, I listen, the Colts were the only team in the NFL to not have multiple receivers surpass the 500-yard receiving mark. Michael Pittman Jr., who had a breakout year, was phenomenal, had 1,000-plus yards, multiple touchdowns. No other Colts receiver, Cody, had more than 300 yards or 400 yards, I think. That has to tell you something. That has to tell you that while Zach Pascal is a nice player and Ashton Doolin is a nice player and T.Y. Hilton, I mean, for I mean, uh, Colts fans out there, obviously know the kind of impact that he's had for the past decade. He's obviously a little, you know, on the decline a little bit. I mean, he clearly he's considering retirement. Jack yep. Doyle, you know, homegrown Indiana, you know, player. Uh, he's come in and, and and played, you know, really really well as both a run blocker and pass catcher the last six, seven, eight, nine seasons or however long he's been with the Colts. But that's not enough. Molly Cox is a nice player, but he had some key drops in the red zone. He's still coming into his own, I think, is Ali Cox as a tight end. That's not enough. Here's here's what I'll say, Cody. What the Colts asked Carson Wentz to do this past season was lift, elevate the players around him. He had to play well enough given the receiving core that he had. And that's not an indictment on on him necessarily entirely, and it's not an indictment entirely on the re- receiving core. But I think that's partially why the Colts are, from what I understand, mulling. You know, I mean, I guess there are rumors out there that that Carson Wentz may not be back next year. I mean, who knows? I, it, you know, at, at this rate, I think it's fifty fifty, and I'm not trying to get off track here. But that is, at the very least, like you said, whoever the quarterback is, whether it's Wentz or somebody else. Go get them more weapons. Go spend a little bit more in free agency. Go, I mean, if you have the, the chance to go get David Bell from Purdue, I mean, my goodness, go get him. Uh, I mean, him and he and Michael Pittman Jr., you want to talk about a one-two, you know, solid receiving duo. Uh, I think, you know, and, and Indiana fans know all too well how, how exceptional David Bell is at that receiving position. Um but it's it's so I can't speak to it enough, Cody. It's so so crucial. Dalton Schultz, I believe, is potentially a free agent for for Dallas. He had a, a nice season, or has put together a couple of seasons back to back that have been fairly productive. Go get him. Uh, you know, at this point, it's not it's not like I'm not suggesting that they throw the checkbook at these players, right? That they just say, okay, here's a blank check, whatever you want. If it's in reasonable pricing, and you're not willing to, and you don't have to pay. Like for example, Devontae Adams, who's who's expected to be a free agent. The reports that are out there right now, pardon me, is that he wants thirty million a year. Chris Ballard's not giving thirty million a year to a receiver. As much as Devontae Adams would, I think, be a major, major, major help to this Colts team, I don't think Chris Ballard is going to hand out that kind of money. But that's the thing is you don't have to. I mean, like, let's look at his free agency class in terms of a receiver and how they've panned out. 
Michael Pittman Jr., he drafted a star. T.Y. Hilton, I mean, he didn't draft, but he was here. And for the first couple of seasons, he was solid. Ashton Doolin, uh, he had has a couple nice moments, but he hasn't really been consistent. Zach Pascal has a couple of really nice moments, but hasn't been consistent. Uh, free agency signings, Ryan Grant, Kamar Aiken, Devin Funches. I mean, these are all guys that have come in, I mean, maybe with the exclusion of Devin Funches because he was injured after the first game, that came in and were didn't have really little to, to no production. I mean, they were... They were, I mean, for a lack of a better, were terrible. And be it their, their own fault or otherwise, that is beside the point. The point is, is that the NFL, I mean, again, look, look at the teams that are in the Super Bowl. Cooper Cup, OBJ, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, C.J. Uzama, Tyler Higby, Joe Mixon, Cam Akers. I mean, these are all weapons. I mean, obviously the Colts have Jonathan Taylor. But from a perimeter standpoint, weapons on the perimeter, the Colts, they don't match with, with those teams, not not, any, not anywhere close. I mean, I, I mean, it, they there are defensive coordinators that when they prepare for the Colts offensively, who keeps you up at night, Cody? Michael Pittman Jr. and Jonathan Taylor. None of the other guys yep. keep you up at night. Not that I know of. I mean, it's like you know, it's like okay, well, we'll just bracket Pittman and we're going to force Wentz to throw to, to the other guys and we're going to expect them to beat us. And they they couldn't. And you know, I'm not trying to go on and on necessarily, but. My point being is I'm emphasizing the importance of going out and getting more weapons for whoever the quarterback is. Tight end, receiver, go get Chris Godwin. Go get Dalton Schultz. Go get somebody. Go get Michael Gallup if he hits the open market. Go get somebody that is a nice complement to Michael Pittman Jr. You know you have a, a bona fide star in Pittman. He proved that this past year. He's proved that he's capable of taking on that wide receiver one role. But now you need somebody to pair opposite of him to, to not – to, to, to benefit your quarterback, pardon me, uh, and it's it's crucial. And again, we talk about changing philosophy with Chris Ballard and free agency. That starts with upgrading at the receiver and tight end position and positions of need. Yeah, 100%. I'm right there with you. I, I, I feel like, Andrew, personally, I feel like the wide receiver position is so devoid of talent outside of Pittman, I would not be opposed to double dipping via free agency and then the draft. Because I feel like you just need that infusion of talent so desperately a wide receiver right now. Um, I would not be opposed to doing that. And also getting a guy at tight end, like at this point, like you just need to upgrade. Like it's just not good enough with the guys that you have right now. It's just not, you know, like nobody scares you at tight end. Nobody outside of Pittman scares you at wide receiver. You basically have to redo both these units, you know. Um, you have to get some sort of bona fide star. I mean, you can point to just about every other position. You can point to running back. You can point to a lot of positions on defense. You can point to offensive line. You can say there are studs in this room. And with tight end, not really. Wide receiver outside of Pittman, not really. So, yeah, I think the Colts really need to do something. They really need to look to upgrade because this wide receiver class specifically, and even the tight end class, as I was looking at it earlier today, surprisingly, there's a lot of guys that you could potentially go after and I feel like need to go after to really boost that talent, you know? And also, Andrew, I look at it like this, and I talked about this a little bit earlier. Like, even if your quarterback isn't Carson Wentz beyond this next year, you know, it's still going to be great for your quarterback, whoever you decide to bring in, whether you go draft a guy, whether you trade for a guy, your quarterback's still going to need weapons regardless. So why not go get them weapons? And also, I feel like it gives you a little bit of a better gauge on who Carson Wentz is. Like, if you give him upgraded weapons that he's still not able to do anything, all right, maybe that gives you a lot more of a clear picture with Carson Wentz because, you know, obviously he had his moments where he looked really bad, 
But also you got to wonder how much of that do you blame on the wide receivers not getting open or the tight ends not creating separation. I just want, you know, to basically be able to clearly say, is Carson Wentz the guy next year? You know, and I think doing that will at least help you get a better indication of kind of where he is overall as a quarterback. But, you know, we have to move and talk about the quarterback, speaking of which, because it was a weakness last year when it mattered. You know, Carson Wentz had some nice moments for you, but also he had some really, really uh, head scratching moments, I think we can say a lot of times. And you're just like, Carson, what are you doing? And like you mentioned earlier, Andrew, to the point now where there's speculation that the Colts might be potentially thinking about not bringing him back this next year. What are your thoughts on the quarterback position in Carson Wentz? Well, I, you, you know, Cody, I too wonder whether a lack of weapons around Wentz played a role in him not being as successful as he was. Now, here's the thing. I'm not going to go out and, and suggest that Carson Wentz was awful, terrible. Uh, but he was awful in moments, and he was awful in, in big moments, and that is is the problem in my mind. You cannot have a quarterback who didn't have a full uh, offseason in terms of training camp, who was injured, who doesn't have enough weapons around him to be able to to pass at the level that you need to be able to pass in a pass-heavy NFL league, and then evaluate him him fairly, I think. I You know, I think if I were to take a guess, and again, pure guess, if I think it's 50-50 that Carson Wentz is back next year. I think part of the Colts, part of Frank Reich, Chris Ballard, Jim Mercy's thinking is, did we do enough to help him support-wise? Because Carson Wentz, he is the kind of quarterback that needs help like a Jimmy Garoppolo, like a Ryan Tannehill and some of these other guys. They need receivers. They need a running game, they need an offensive line, and they need receivers who can make plays uh, in in clutch moments. And Carson Wentz did not have that last year. He did not have that. And and he also didn't make plays when plays needed to be made. I mean, the Colts had two win-and-end scenarios, Cody, against the Raiders and the Jaguars, and they came up short. They came out flat. And, you know, I, I understand the go-to is the quarterback, right, in terms of blame. Where does where do we where does the blame start? Where do we shift the blame to? And almost immediately everybody's like, well, it's got to be the quarterback. Well, in reality, it was the entire team for the last two weeks. And, and we're not going to get into that necessarily. But as far as the quarterback is concerned, if I'm the Colts, I at least have to do my due diligence. You, you have to do your homework. Is Aaron Rodgers available? Is Russell Wilson potentially available? What is it going to take to trade for those players? Uh, is Derek Carr potentially available? What's it take to maybe go and get him? I, the other thing with Carson Wentz, too, that's just so hard to like discern, to figure out, is his his ability to go through his progressions. It's like, it, it, it's it's at a high school level, and I mean, I'm not trying to insult him by any means, but I mean, I don't know if you watched the YouTube video with Kurt Warner and his film breakdown. I mean, the first play that the Colts run in the red zone is a mesh concept, and they need two yards on third and two, and Jonathan Taylor's like, not literally, he could have his hands up with orange gloves waving at the quarterback, and Carson Wentz throws it and makes the wrong read. And it now you're taking three 
you're you're taking three points rather than having a first and goal. And and you know who knows how that changes the momentum of the game. But it's he's in year six. You have to be able to go through your progressions. You have to be able to go one to two to three to sometimes four and know where to go with the football. You have to be able to read defenses pre-snap. And Carson Wentz really, really struggled with that. And the game in Arizona, they were down 10 starters, and Carson Wentz made some phenomenal throws. Phenomenal. Throws that very few quarterbacks in the NFL can make, aside from maybe Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. But it's it's like, if you're the Colts, it's got to be mind-boggling, just numbing to think that that you're 9-6, and six, you're, you're, you're riding this, this hot streak, right? And, and your quarterback can't get you over that hump. You know, people said, you know, when Carson Wentz was coming out of college, well, there's a little Andrew Luck to him. You know, he's got, a, in terms of stature and arm strength and that sort of thing. And, but the thing with Andrew Luck that made him so unique is the Colts could be down 14 points or more, and they would think, oh, okay, well, there's 12 sitting over there, so we got a chance. With Carson Wentz, I think it's the opposite. I think Colts fans are holding their breath every time he drops back to throw a pass. I mean, it's just... It's very, very. I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, what this team decides to do at the quarterback position. Whether they bring him back for another year and give him one more go around, or if they move on uh, with a rookie quarterback, or if they trade for somebody. I mean, there's so many different intriguing options out there, and who knows where they're going to be in, in, in 2022. But at the very, very least, Cody, they have to do their due diligence. They have to do their their search on their quarter on quarterbacks that could potentially be available uh, because. You know, 27 touchdowns, seven picks, 34, 3,500 yards from Carson Wentz is good. It's not good enough. And that's the problem. It's so infuriating, like you talked about, because, you know, Carson goes and makes plays like that Arizona game, right? Where you're just like, oh my gosh, like no, no half the league quarterbacks in the league couldn't make that, if not more. But then he has dumb plays, you know, like the Tennessee game. He's just so polarizing because he's so can be so good, and then he can just be when he's really bad, he's really bad. So it just it all averages out to about an average quarterback, and it just gives you like a heart attack trying to watch him because you don't know what Carson Wentz you're going to week, get week in and week out. You could have the Carson Wentz from the Tampa Bay game where he looked sharp, he looked good for for the most part, or you could have. You know, the Jacksonville Carson Wentz. Like, it's just so odd that he's so up and down all the time. Now, you know, I am intrigued, I guess, in this way to see Frank Reich with another year with the, with the same quarterback because he's really never had that, you know? So I, I do want to see what that would look like. Maybe he can, like, help Carson figure out some of these things. I don't know. I say that, but also, like, you're right. He's a veteran in the league. He should know these things already. So... Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. The Colts have to do their due diligence. It would almost be um, borderline malpractice to not. You know, like you have to figure out something at quarterback. You have to look at Carson Wentz and say, either Carson, we believe in you for one more year. We're going to give you one more shot, one more go around, or we're going to figure it out. And maybe you do sign a veteran quarterback if Carson Wentz just goes off the rails this season. I don't know what they're going to do in that department, but. Yeah, something's got to change at quarterback, definitely for sure. Um, I do think you get him weapons, but also he's got to be able to, like I think Chris Ballard said, he's got to be able to basically do the layups. You know, he's got to be able to do the simple things well. And that's something that, that Carson can do the, the extremely hard things well at times, but he also really struggles to do the simple things well sometimes. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting for sure to see how the Colts dress the quarterback position moving forward. But let's move on now, Andrew, to some of the strengths. Now, I feel like this team has a number of strengths that we could point to potentially. 
Um, but I think one we definitely got to talk about sticking with the offense is the running game. I mean, Jonathan Taylor, my goodness. I remember, Andrew, when when the Colts drafted Jonathan Taylor in 2020. We went on and we talked about Jonathan Taylor on this podcast. And even we didn't expect what Jonathan Taylor has become so far with arguably the best running back in football. Talk to me about this Colts running game. I think it's one of the main reasons they won nine games this year, Cody. I mean, sure, defensive turnovers, uh, you know, solid quarterback play at times. I mean, you could point to a variety of things. But Jonathan Taylor was the engine that made this Colts team go. And we saw that throughout the entire season. And what makes Jonathan Taylor so unique, I think, is that the Colts, off, you know, from an offensive line standpoint, they had a variety of injuries. And Quentin Nelson, uh, Nelson, pardon me, missed a few games for the first time in his career. Braden Smith missed six games. Ryan Kelly missed a few games. Eric Fisher, I think, missed a game or two. And even though there were there were backup players filling in, Matt Pryor, Chris Reed, who, by the way, were phenomenal in filling in for those uh, star offensive linemen, Jonathan Taylor didn't lose a step. He came in and still rushed. I mean, consistently, what did he have, eight or nine games in a row? where he rushed for over 100 yards or 100 yards or more, and the Colts at one point in the season were undefeated when he rushed for 100 or more yards. I mean, the game that stands out to me uh, and that stands out, I think, to, to a lot of other people, I'm sure, is the Buffalo Bills game. I mean, you're 5-5, five and five, the Bills are 6-3, and three, they're rolling, you're on the road at the team that, that knocked you out of the wild card. You know, if you're the Colts, that's how you're probably thinking of it. You know, these are the guys that knocked us out last year in the wild card round. And, you know, we're ready to to go in and, and show what we can do. And boy, did they ever. And Carson Wentz didn't have to do much. <laughs> he just said, you know, here, Taylor, you know, here, 28, I'm going to hand you the ball and I'm going to let you do what you do best. And that offensive line looked like the offensive line that we've seen for the last few years. And, and the rest is history. I mean, Jonathan Taylor, five rushing touchdowns or five total touchdowns, pardon me, four rushing, one receiving 200 plus yards, I believe, on the ground. I mean, just just a historical day, literally, uh, for both the franchise and an NFL history. I mean, and he's 23 years old, and it's it's like I mentioned Zach Kiefer and Stephen Holder earlier. They've said this before, and I'm I'm going to say it myself. He can take over a game at, at any point in time. That's what makes him so unique. He's like a Derrick Henry who, when you need a big play, just give it to him. Just give it to him and, and let him – And let, like the game against New England, it's 20-17 to 17, – Two minutes and some change to go, or a little less than that in the fourth quarter. You need a big play, or you're punting the ball back to New England with a chance to lose for a ninth consecutive game to the Patriots, the Colts division rival. And what do they do? They give it to Jonathan Taylor, and Taylor bursts through the middle uh, of the, the running lane, makes Dante Hightower miss, and he's gone. He's in the open field, and there's nobody that's catching him. I mean, he's and and they beat the the Patriots for the first time in eight years. I mean, there are so many season-defining moments that I think fall directly on the shoulders of Jonathan Taylor, and and it's so deserving. I mean, there's a reason he was in the MVP uh, conversation at one point in the season, Cody. He was that good, 1,800 yards. He broke Edward James's now Hall of Fame running back single-season rushing record. I mean, he's got he tied Austin Eckler for the most touchdowns from scrimmage this past season with 20. I mean, that's hard to do. I think LaDainian Tomlinson has the most ever at 26. I mean, he was that close to potentially breaking Tomlinson's record. Uh, he, he was, I mean, if you're the Colts and Chris Ballard, you have to feel really good about drafting him. And I know Colts fans are, are just super excited to, to see what he's going to do moving forward. 
he was, I mean, you talk about a strength of the team again. I think he's one of the main reasons, if not the reason why the Colts were so successful this past season. Oh, 100%. Yeah, he was their MVP, no doubt. I mean, yeah, that's why people, like you said, were considering him for MVP. Like, he was literally the most valuable player for a long time. The reason why the Colts were as good as they were. You know, the reason why they beat some really good teams this last season, for sure. Um, let's move on now. And, I, you know, I was going to do offensive line, but I figured we could move on to another position that I think is also was kind of a strength. It already had a superstar in it, but I think another player – kind of emerged, and we kind of got a little bit of a feel for some backup guys, too. And that's the linebacker position, Andrew. Now, we all know the Colts' two starters, Darius Leonard, Bobby Okereke, but also guys like EJ Speed stepped up this season when it mattered. And, you know, I feel a lot better personally about the linebacker position. I think it's one of the definite strengths on this team right now. I know they lost, like, their entire defensive staff, so we'll see what this new defensive coordinator and the new linebackers coach implement with these guys, but I thought the linebackers were absolutely tremendous last year. Tremendous is, is I mean, that's putting it like, I, I could, there are so many other ways you could describe just how excellent they were for the Colts. I mean, Darius Leonard, the guy wasn't healthy all season long, and he had, oh, what was it, seven or eight forced fumbles and two or three interceptions. I mean, maybe those aren't the exact numbers. Somewhere close to that, and I saw a statistic uh, on Twitter the other day that said that Darius Leonard, with all those turnovers, was the first linebacker in NFL history to have a certain amount of forced fumbles and a certain amount of interceptions in a season. And then Bobby Okereke stepped up. I think he was. I think he was the leading tackler, if I'm not mistaken, for this Colts team. And he was. I mean, excellent, excellent, excellent. The play that he made uh, in the flat against the Patriots, that diving interception that gave the Colts good field position. I mean, those are the kinds of plays that you need from your star players. And I totally agree. EJ Speed, Zaire Franklin, they both stepped up when, when asked of them. I mean, going back to the Cardinals game, no Darius Leonard, uh, no Bobby Okereke, and EJ Speed has to fill in and cover Zach Ertz and, and fill in and make plays. And what did he do? He stepped up. He made plays. He made plays when it mattered most, and I think he played, along with the rest of that defense, a key role in the Colts coming away with a super, uh, you know, well, a very big win for them, a win that I don't think, uh, a game rather, that I don't think a lot of people expected them to win because of how many starters they were missing. And that's what you need. That's how you know that that, that there are certain positions on your team that, like like we've been talking about, that you have right where they could step in and step up in times of need when other players are down. We saw that more often than not this past season at the linebackers position specifically. So major, major credit to, to Leonard and Okereke and EJ Speed and major credit to Chris Ballard because, you know, for all the the criticism I think that he receives for not being so well at drafting certain positions like defensive line, the one position that he's been absolutely exceptional at drafting, there's no contest, is linebacker. All the linebackers, he said. I don't think he's drafted one linebacker that really hasn't con- contributed. Like honestly, I'm I'm trying to figure out. Like even Anthony Walker was a contributor. You know, a fifth round pick. Like he contributed for a couple of years. So like, yeah, for whatever reason, he can really draft linebackers for sure. Um, and I like all these guys. I think any of these guys, you know, if they need to jump in in a pinch, I feel like that they're all capable of doing that. That's why I don't really feel like linebacker needs to really be touched this off season because I feel very confident. And comfortable with kind of where we're at at linebacker right now. The last position, staying with the defense, it's so interesting, Andrew, because last offseason we would have said this is potentially the biggest weakness on this defense outside of pass rush. 
that's corner. All of a sudden, two guys that the Colts drafted, they stepped it up in major ways this this last last season. And now I think it's a strength, honestly. The cornerback position, you got three guys that are young and I feel like are your future at corner. What are your thoughts on corner? Well, certainly. And I think this is a major credit to James Rowe, who's now in Chicago with Matt Eberflus. He came in and he got the best out of both Rocky Cena and Isaiah Rogers. Uh, Rogers, a sixth round pick, I think was maybe expected to come in and be playing more of a special teams role early on. He's had his moments. I had the kick return against Cleveland in the 2020 season and then nearly uh, returned that, that kick against the Tampa Bay Bucks, which would have tied the game. Uh, but then he also had his moments at corner. He had the big interception uh, against uh, the uh, the Raiders. Pardon me, I couldn't remember the team. Uh, and then Rocky Scene, I don't know if he had any interceptions, but it got to a point in the season, Cody, where teams weren't targeting Yassine. They were staying away from him. And that's a credit to to his development and to Rose coaching. And, again, as you mentioned earlier, the Colts defensive staff is pretty much going to be entirely new. So we'll have to see how that affects their development, uh, by, be it positively or negatively. But from what we saw last year, they took major, major, major steps because you're right, this is something we talked about uh, last last offseason is this is a big weakness. Do they need to go out in free agency and, and sign a, a, you know, a top corner like maybe a Shaquille Griffin who obviously ended up in Jacksonville or maybe draft a corner if they were in position to do so? They didn't. They stuck with who they, they had. Um, and they they brought in a guy again in James Rowe who who got the best out of him. And it, it's if you're the Colts, I mean, I don't want to say that corner is is rock solid necessarily. I think it's I think it's I think it's good. I think they're in a really good place. But I do still think it's important to recognize that you maybe need, especially with the departure or what what is the expected departure of Xavier Rhodes. Um, I think it's important to go in and maybe bring in another veteran player to pair along with Isaiah Rogers and Rocky scene. Oh, I, I definitely agree. Cause like depth is so important specifically at corner. I think that's a position that you really need to know. Like you have a couple good guys. I almost would draft a corner or sign a corner about every off season. That's just kind of the attrition of the NFL, you know, with guys getting injured all the time, you need to know you're going to have a guy that's going to be able to step in there and play fairly well. Kind of like with your offensive line, you know, you want to have confidence in your couple guys off the bench there. So yeah, I definitely think that that is a position now that that is the, was the biggest pleasant surprise for me, undoubtedly, because I did not expect, I expected maybe one of those guys to go off, but for both of those guys to go off, I thought that was a huge win. And also there's people who were saying Chris Ballard can't draft corners. You remember that argument, remember that narrative a little bit, you know, because last year Rocky Sin struggled. He already had a bust with Quincy Wilson. People are like, man, Ballard can't draft defensive ends or corners. Now it seems like he can maybe draft corners a little bit better than maybe we gave him credit for. So yeah. Uh, any other thoughts, Andrew, on any of these other positions we talked about? Um, any of the, the other strengths that you think potentially for this team? I mean, other than you mentioned earlier, just briefly the, briefly the offensive line, I think credit needs to be given to, to Matt Pryor and Chris Reed, both of whom I think deserve contract extensions. If you're the Colts, I mean, but the way they came in and stepped up, when they traded for Matt Pryor, I don't think the Colts expected him to step in for six games for Braden Smith and for a game or two for Eric Fisher. Um, Chris Reed stepped in for Quentin Nelson really, really well. Again, we talked about Jonathan Taylor not losing a step. That is in part thanks to the, the depth along this Colts offensive line. Um, again, you, you want to talk about a major weakness. That was a major weakness for them last season. You know, They had Chaz Green in there and the Raven Clark and, and guys that just could not 
perform at the level that they needed them to perform at, and we saw what happened. The results weren't good. This season, however, they went out and they addressed depth. They brought in a veteran in Chris Reed. They traded for Matt Pryor. They've got uh, Danny Pinter, who stepped in for Ryan Kelly really nicely for two or three games. Uh, they, and that is just as crucial as, as your five starters because we've talked about this before. Injuries happen in the NFL all the time, all the time, and you have to be prepared for that. And major, major credit to Chris Ballard on that front for going out and addressing something that I think for a lot of fans, I think a lot of fans are saying, well, they should have been dressed long ago. We saw what happened. They came in. They performed well. Um, it was only one-year deals, I believe, for both Reed and Pryor, but I'd be shocked if they're not back with the Colts this next season. Oh, 100%. I think they definitely both should be back because what if it happens again? You know, you need to have some guys that you have confidence can step in in those key moments for sure. But yeah, guys, that'll do it for this episode, looking at some of the Colts' weaknesses and their strengths. Let us know what your thoughts are in the comments. Do you agree with us on these couple different choices we have here? Let us know, guys. But that'll do it for this one. Thank you, Andrew, for coming on. Always a pleasure having you on. Thank you guys for tuning in. Really appreciate it. And as always, go Colts. Yeah.